Hello and welcome to episode 70 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I want to offer a warm welcome to Ruth F., Amy R., and Mel M. to The Modern Manager community. I am honored to be part of your journey and I look forward to supporting you. I also want to give a shout out to Amanda S., a dedicated listener who I ran into at an event last week where Amanda called me over and said, Thank you so much for how you've helped me as a manager, and I just really appreciate those kind words. And I loved hearing how the show is helping you and your team, and that you've been promoting the podcast with anyone who will listen. So thank you, and to everyone who is listening right now, if you are enjoying the content and finding it useful in your work, I have three requests. The first is that you forward a specific episode to a friend or fellow manager will appreciate that topic and urge them to listen. The second is that you leave a rating or review on iTunes, which actually helps people know that the show is worth listening to. And with so much content out in the world, it makes a big difference when you see a show that has lots of ratings and reviews. And third, you can join Ruth, Amy, Mel, and a whole slew of other folks by becoming a member of the Modern Manager community. This is beneficial to you because you get access to all kinds of extra content. And it's valuable to me because as the membership grows, I can spend more time producing content and supporting the community. So learn more all about that at mamieks.com slash join. Thank you for listening and please show your love for me and for the show by doing one or two or all of those things that I just mentioned. Now, today's guest is Lindsay Kaplan. Lindsay has been gathering people for over 15 years, first to entertain as a comedy writer in Hollywood then to educate for companies like DreamWorks, Animation, and McKinsey, and now to transform as an organizational psychologist and the head of talent development for successful Silicon Valley companies like Zendesk, Credit Karma, and Flexport. Lindsay helps companies drive organizational change by applying lessons in gathering from entertainment, education, and business, and she is currently writing a book on the topic of gathering. Lindsay and I talk about the use of gatherings to accomplish some specific purpose, and Just a side note, gatherings is not just a fancy word for meetings. We talk about how to rethink the purpose of gathering and engage people in the process, which generates better thinking and deeper buy-in and all that kind of important stuff. Now here is our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lindsay. I want to start with a couple of quick shout-outs. We have some mutual friends. I want to say hi to Ty Tsao, who is also my colleague at Meteor, and who I believe you went to school with at Columbia or know through Columbia. Yeah. And also to prior guest, Roble Curse, who is from episode 32, who actually made this introduction for us. You have awesome friends. So uh, we have yeah. awesome friends. That is true. They are great people. All right. So into our fun conversation for today, let's start with just the super biggest question I could possibly ask, which is, what are some of the challenges that managers face in your experience? Yeah, I think that's a great question. One of the biggest challenges that I've observed and faced myself is how to help people in groups get from A to B. So from unengaged to engaged, from underperformer to great performer, from one level to another level. 
And how do I lead them through that change? And how do we do that really well? And is this a challenge that is unique to managers? Like, is this part of what a manager's job is to move a team from A to B? Or is this a a challenge that kind of other roles sometimes encounter? I think there are challenges that all roles could encounter. The, The unique part about being a manager is that really it involves the people side more than just the product or, you know, the service that we're trying to help people use. So that would be the main difference in my opinion. All right. So what do we do then? If I think about my job as a manager as moving my team from A to B, what do I do about that? (laughs) What tools do I have at my disposal? Yeah. It's funny you should say tools. So I would say the most common tool that we think of to help sort of move people along is to bring them together in a gathering. When we think about that, where our mind tends to go is for efficiency. I'll put people in a room and I'll tell them a message and then they'll be bought in and do something differently because of our time together. And I found that that isn't always the case. They aren't as useful or as engaging or thought provoking or they have a much lower return on investment than maybe we're anticipating. Say more about that. What do you mean a lower return on investment? Yeah, usually what I find is that we want engagement in these gatherings. We want people to take up a message as their own, but we tend to stop at compliance. So we tell people a message and they'll do what we want them to do. We'll do what we say, but that the book really stops there. And those gatherings tend to be more tick the box than transformational. And I think, I know there is a better way. And part of the the tool in the manager's toolbox is learning how to gather really well. And that's what I'm interested in. All right. So what are some of these gatherings in a business context? Are we talking, you know, is is gathering a lovely word for meetings, which everybody (laughs) hates? Is that what we're really talking about here? I would say a gathering, a meeting is one type of gathering. Yes. But, you know, we could think more broadly. So a training class, a town hall, even a one-on-one between an employee and their manager. Uh, Anytime I gather people in a room and I'm trying to connect the material to the moment, that is a gathering. And if we think more broadly, we are all familiar with gatherings. They're part of our culture, our belief system, the way we are brought up. We're gathering in classrooms to be provoked and enlightened. We gather in theaters to be entertained. And then we gather in our workplaces. We're always in some state of gathering. And in organizations, we're all really familiar with this being the default way to share information. So what are some of the facets of gatherings that make them a particularly good way to engage people? Or what is it that managers should do from a kind of high level? We can dig into the details in a little bit, but from a high level, like what are some of those things that we should all be thinking about when we're designing our gatherings? Yeah, so the first thing I'll say is, probably very familiar to you and your work, which is to set a very clear outcome. So what I've seen with gatherings is that we have an over-reliance on the tool itself, right? I'll put people in a room and I'll focus on that one event. And in focusing on that, I really tend to think content first as opposed to outcome first. So I propose there are four different types of outcomes that we might choose across any type of gathering. So the first step is to think about what is the outcome I'm after? Is it engagement, which is probably where we want to spend a good amount of our time? Is it compliance? Is it just informing someone or is it entertaining? And different choices that we make 
can have a large effect on whether or not we achieve that outcome. And usually the biggest dissonance I see is between engagement and compliance. Can you give us an example of what an outcome around engagement might look like and what an outcome around compliance might look like to help make this a little clearer? Yeah. So I like using metaphors and analogies. So let's pretend that a manager is a musician on a stage and they're performing a concert. Engaged is, well, let's start with compliance. Compliance is our default gathering method of just check the box. I shared the information. I shared the slides. We're done. Informed might be on that stage an audience listens to your song. I heard it and I got the information and I, and I listened to it. Entertained, maybe they're going to sing the song with you. But engaged is about the audience singing the song on their own and then sharing it with other people. And that's the big difference is that as a manager, I'm going to help people move from A to B, not just in that moment, but for an additive amount of time to help them become more than they thought possible, to take on a message as their own, to carry the message forward, to make sure that gathering sticks and spreads isn't just a one-time check the box kind of activity. That feels so hard. I'm thinking about all the (laughs) meetings that I've led as a manager myself or as a, a coach and how so much of it is, yes, there's follow through to happen afterwards that I have to be thinking about. But have I really gotten people moved to a new place where they are leaving that meeting and not just feeling good about the conversation and what we accomplished, but actually owning it and moving it forward on their own? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I understand why it sounds challenging. Part of it, I think, is reversing the way that many of us were brought up in our educational institutions of being passive listeners to content and passive listeners to material. And in in that way, you know, the person who we're gathering, their role is just to consume information. But if we expect more of people and really want to support them, then they don't just consume, we want them to create and have a part in the experience. And in that way, the manager's role shifts from being just an information broker to a connection builder. And that's the opportunity that we have to learn how to do that well. How do I connect with people? How do I connect my idea to them? How do I make it relevant and applicable and personable? And if we think about all the gatherings that we've been a part of, where we were changed by them, where you know, we felt seen and recognized and utilized, it's likely because we were able to really be seen by the person and played an active role in the success of that gathering. So what are some of the concrete things that managers can do to move from compliance into engagement? Yeah, so a few things. One, if I'm a manager, I need to really understand what is at stake for the people in the room. So what do they really care about? Usually our default is, well, I care about this message as the manager or leader, so I'm going to make sure that they heard it. But the tangible thing that they can do is to take some time asking questions and understanding what does this group of people care about? What's really relevant to them? So, you know, think about a town hall, the typical gathering for an organization. And we're going to share revenue and metrics and company updates. But what's actually at stake for the people in the room? What is that tension between what, the, you know, what information they need and where they currently are? And how do I fill in that gap for them? So it takes a lot of curiosity, or I'd say a little bit of curiosity, to put myself in their shoes and understand what's actually really relevant for them and connect the dots. 
I feel like I have this conversation with managers all the time around their weekly team meetings where I ask them why they have them. And one common answer I get is people saying things like, well, I need to know what's going on with all the different projects and work streams and like where we are against timelines and project plans. And so if I didn't have this meeting, then I wouldn't know what was going on. I'm like, okay, that's great. Now, what do other people need out of this meeting? And they're like, what? Like I, I should right. I should think about that. I should think about what other people need out of this meeting. But this is this is what I need out of the meeting. Yeah, that's so normal and natural. But yet the people in the room know that it's really for you, and they're they're just going through the motions and probably talking about how the meeting was a waste of time, maybe in the hallway afterwards. And so, whether or not our, our gatherings are compliance or engaging, can have long term kind of important effects to establishing trust between our employees and ourselves as managers. So I understand there's a lot of fear in sort of loosening control of that meeting and making it really about the other person, but the benefits are, are tangible and lasting. There's two other tangible things I would recommend, by the way. One is no matter the gathering, can you give the people in the room a specific role? So this is connected to your other comment around, well, I, as the manager, need the information. Then it really becomes all about me and, and I'm center stage versus giving people an active role in the conversation or in the meeting or in the task. There's an, a saying in organizational development that involvement leads towards commitment. So how can I involve people in this gathering? And I don't just mean taking notes, right? That's not really what I mean. If you're talking about something as a small group, can you give them a prompt to look out for? Can you have them listen for something specific in the conversation? How can you elevate their status so that really they feel seen and heard and recognized? I'm thinking about specifically engaging introverts. And I know it's something I've done with some meetings where I know that there are people who tend to be quieter, but to talk to them ahead of time and say, hey, I'm really looking forward to your thoughts on X topic. Are and giving them that heads up that like I really want them to speak up on a particular at a particular time or on a particular topic or ask a particular question that I know that they and I have been having conversations about and I want them to bring it into the whole group. So is that kind of what you're thinking about of saying before the meeting, giving people that heads up of this is an area that I really hope you'll step up in? Yeah, I think that's one way to do it. You know, I saw Adam Grant, one of my. Uh, <laughs> I'll say heroes speak last week. And he said something really profound, which is, you know, my job as a leader is not just to call on the first eight people who raise their hand. He was speaking about being, you know, in, in a in a classroom. My job is to create the conditions where everyone wants to speak up. So yes, there is some pre-work of setting the stage and inviting people in and spending more time with those who may not feel comfortable. It's really, you know, again, a shift from I'm going to give people information versus I'm going to create the conditions that let the people in the room do most of the work and create most of the content. And I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that every gathering needs to be engaging, right? That we can choose the outcome that we want, but so often we expect engagement, but stop at compliance. And our employees want engagement too. They want to be seen. They want to be utilized. They want to be recognized. And there's a lot of distance in the way that we're currently approaching these gatherings. Yeah. Okay. I think you said there was one more 
aspect. Yeah, and it's connected to what we just talked about, which is to give people room to digest the material. So if you are going to focus a lot of time on information, if the manager feels like, I just need this meeting to be about a status update, I need to hear all of this, you know, a small tweak could be give people time to connect at the end and talk about what they heard or what stands out or what needs more clarity. It can take just one minute, but oftentimes we're not able to digest as much information as we think. Um, There's a limit to what the human brain can actually process and use. And so giving people that time doesn't just involve them and help them feel participatory and engage, but it also is a more healthy way for the brain for them to retain the material that you've spent so much time preparing. Hmm. Are there some good either like prompts or checkouts or approaches that, you know, if I'm leading a meeting tomorrow, I can think, all right, so I'm going to preserve five minutes for the end of my meeting and make sure we have time to do that whatever it is, synthesis or sense-making or sharing together? Yeah. So some prompts could be something like turn to the person next to you if you want to be more introvert heavy, if if it's a large gathering, you know, what are you hearing from this meeting? What stands out to you? What doesn't make sense? What are you most excited about? Uh, But one caveat here, there's a general rule in the facilitation world to make your thinking visible. So if I'm a, a manager trying this for the first time, your employees probably will be like, what is this person doing? They've never done this before. So tell them why you are asking this question. Well, we've shared a lot of information. I want to hear what you think of it. I want to make sure that you know it makes sense to you and you feel you've had a time to process it. And that's why I'm going to spend five minutes at the end trying something new. And that creates a lot of safety in the room for people to know why you're doing what you're doing, as opposed to, okay, now go talk about this, which is a compliance-oriented way to try to have an engaging moment. So just make sure there isn't that disconnect there. I love what you just said about make your thinking visible and that sharing why and being transparent about the change. It it does so much, right? As you said, it makes something that could otherwise be seen as a forced activity into an engaging activity. It makes something that could otherwise be seen as super awkward and like, why are we doing this? We've never done this before. Like, yuck, into something that is a totally normal, like, we're going to experiment. We're going to try something new. And this is how we think it could be helpful. I see so many moments where people make assumptions about what's going on, and that actually causes more harm than good. And there's a model that I use when I'm coaching called the ladder of inference, I mean, this is not mm-hmm. my model. It's just a model that I, that I love where people take one thing that happened, right? And they go up and make assumption after assumption about what that thing means. So I can imagine sitting there and being told for the first time, okay, now discuss and wondering like, well, what what's going to happen with this information? What if I ask, if I write down a question now, are people going to, is my boss going to get upset later? Like I would never say that in the meeting. Should I say it now on this thing? So like just being visible, making your thinking visible can kind of get people there so much faster. Yeah. And what all of this does is, again, create the conditions for the room to have the answer, which is a lot of what coaching work is anyway, right? But what a leader can do, you know, all of this is a little bit full of caveats, is they often need to go first and show that it's safe, right? So if I I tell them why I'm doing it, I can also say, here's what I'm thinking about, or here's what I've digested. 
then they have more permission to try it themselves. And a key point here that I really want to make is give people choice. So another way to, to create a more engaged gathering is to treat people like adults and give them choice as much as possible. So it's not mandatory that they digest it, but you want to show them what's possible if they do it. Awesome. I This is so silly, but I feel like with my kids, I do the same thing. I'm like, okay, you can have an apple or banana. You can have a choice here. You still have to eat something, but you can have a choice. And I, I love giving yeah. people multiple <laughs> questions. Like as you said, you can you can ask them like what you know, what's not feeling settled for you or what questions do you still have or what really stood out from you from this meeting? Right. Give them a couple of questions and they can find the one that fits best for them, which is still I guess requiring some sort of engagement so people can't totally opt out, but it does give them some choice to go where the place that feels most comfortable for them. Absolutely. Maybe I'll have to do a separate podcast episode about that. Side note for myself. <laughs> Another thing that you mentioned though was this idea of feeling safe and having trust. Can you talk a little bit more about what managers can do to create safe, trustworthy spaces for their teams to engage? Yeah. So Again, a lot of this is in creating the conditions, right? And focusing less on content and more on the conditions, which is a a switch for people. I I understand. There's a few, I would say, tactics that can really help promote this feeling of safety and trust. One is this concept of autobiographical disclosure, which is a a term I'm taking from the adult education world, which is really a a moment of, of vulnerability for the leader or manager to share a little bit of themselves and an experience that they had that led them to a certain aha or that is a lead into a certain part of the gathering. And then we really see the leader or manager as a real person and not just someone who's asking us to do something. So they often have to go first and show a bit of themselves if they want other people to do the same. The second is, you know, we talk about this notion of status. And oftentimes what we expect in an organization is you know, the hierarchy differences create status differences. My manager has higher status than me, et cetera. But really to create a sense of trust, oftentimes as a manager, I need to lower my status or help people feel like they have control over their own destiny. And one of the ways to do that is to sort of, in particular moments, basically hint at, hey, I'm just like you, or I've been in your shoes, or, you know, we're both learning here. I'm not an expert. I don't have it all figured out. I need you. You have a lot of you know, helpful information and helpful context that I don't have. And so that doesn't just you know, increase trust, but it helps this person feel like they actually have something to contribute. And in that way, they're not just waiting for instructions. They're you know, seen and recognized to take the extra step and feel safety in doing so. I mean, it sounds like you're talking about some level of vulnerability of saying, I don't have all the answers. I am not going to make all the perfect decisions that we're in this together. And you have things that I don't have and I have things that you don't have. And together we're stronger. Yeah. You know, think about the typical gathering, right? So we enter a room, we sit at a table, the manager or leader stands in the front and we wait for them to tell us information. That's normally how it goes. Right. And in that, we're expecting that that person has the answer for us and that we need them. What if we flip the script and the leader or manager use some carefully chosen moments to pull people in and show them that they 
they need the people in the room to come to the table with an answer. They need their ideas. They need their energy as well. And it might be a little bit disarming, but that creates a much stronger group sensation than, hey, there's a manager over here, then there's a group of people over yeah. there. Do you have a real life example of a meeting you were in recently where the leader role modeled that kind of behavior really well? Yeah, a recent example, I was talking with a former coworker of mine who described every time their leader or manager went to a meeting that they were not invited to or a class that they weren't invited to or something where they felt like there was sacred information that the rest of the room needed, that, that leader would come back and share what they learned with everybody else. They would say, here's what I heard. Here's why it's relevant. What do you guys think about it? What messages do you want me to take back? He would gather people in a circle and basically sort of let them in on this exclusive club that he was a part of. And in that way, it felt like it wasn't just the leader going off and carrying our message that they were involved and included and had a sense of what else was going on. So it's not the normal drip of information of here's an email of what this meeting was about. It's let's all talk about it together. Oh, I think that is so important. I mean, when you're working in a big organization and there's multiple levels of hierarchy and, you know, managers get included in some things that their team members don't, or even team members who are working on cross-functional teams where there might be opportunities for learning and sharing across, like when we're so busy, we go to so many meetings and then you just kind of say, okay, I got, I got the information, but we don't take that next step to say, who else needs to know this and why might they want to know it? And how can we all benefit by sharing? That makes so much sense to come together and say, okay, this is what I learned. Now, what do you all think? What should I know? What am I missing? You know, what questions should I be asking on all of our behalf? So I love that idea. That's so cool. Yeah, I love it too. It's not mine. So I, I will steal it and I suggest others do as well. All right. Well, this is bringing us to the end of our time together. So can you tell us, Lindsay, about an amazing Rockstar manager that you had the pleasure and privilege of working with and for? Absolutely. Um, it's not even a question in my mind. Um, I worked for this amazing manager named Hoyt. He was the head of training at DreamWorks Animation where I started my learning and development career. And I could go on and on about him, but he has set the bar very high for future managers. And every day I try to pay forward what he taught me. What are some of the things that he taught you? Oh, wow. I mean, one of the things that he always used to say to me was, you know, you don't work for me, I work for you, which I have a habit of saying to my direct reports. And I think sometimes they jokingly remind me of that, <laughs> but it, it is really true. I see it as I work for them and I try to make them successful. You know, I think great managers believe in yourself, believe in other people more than you may believe in yourself and see you as more than you thought possible. And that's what this manager did. That's what Hoyt did for me. And, you know, also kind of pushed me to take on new challenges maybe before I was really ready or thought I was ready. And so I think about that when I create stretch assignments for people or when I help them get a little bit out of their comfort zone is just knowing that more is possible. And I want to create the conditions for people to believe that that's true as well. So he's a very special person to me. And we still talk monthly, if not weekly. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you for sharing. 
And where can people keep up with you and learn more about what you're up to these days? Yeah, they can find me on lindsaykaplan.com and LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those normal places. I would love to, to talk to you. Fantastic. Well, we will put all that information in the show notes. Thank you again for sharing your wisdom on gatherings with us today, Lindsay. My pleasure. Lindsay has generously offered a free one-hour coaching call with one member of the Modern Manager community. You need to join the community by Friday, October 18th to get your name into that pool. Go to mamieks.com to join and learn more about the membership levels. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S.com slash join. Now, of course, all the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at maybeks.com slash podcast. Now, before you jump off, which hopefully you're still listening because you get a bonus. As you know, I have on occasion been sharing podcasts that I enjoy listening to. And today I wanted to share with you one of my favorite non-work topic podcasts. Because believe it or not, I do listen to things that are not about teamwork and collaboration and psychology and business. So today I want to talk about a show called Explain Like I'm Five. The hosts call it a mini podcast series because the episodes are usually about six or seven minutes long and they cover all kinds of random topics, most of which I had never thought about, but they turn out to be super fun to learn about. And since they're really short, they are great for when I only have a few minutes and I don't want to start a new episode and then have to stop something in the middle. Some of you know that I have a background in the fine arts. So one really cool mini episode and the one that first turned me on to this is called Upper and Lowercase Characters. It's about typography, which was something that I learned about when I was in art school, but I never actually heard the history of how we ended up with the capitals and the lowercase letters. There are episodes on white noise and grass and caffeine and all kinds of interesting things. So if you like knowing super cool random facts, search the letters E-L-I and the number five wherever you listen to podcasts. It is the show with the blue background and E-L-I-5 written in white. That is it for today. So thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.